Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. So Kea, when was the last time that you felt so full of energy that you were waking up ready to go, sleeping great, and super fired up throughout the day? So I was thinking about this actually because this episode is all about energy and adrenal fatigue. And I hate to admit this, but I think it was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I think I can look back to a time where I was, you know, doing a workout that I really liked. I was excited about it. I was super dialed in on my diet. Um, everything was just kind of in the flow. I felt it, it funnily enough, I think that it's not just about what we're eating and what we're how we're sleeping and how we're exercising. It's also about feeling in alignment with the work that mm-hmm. we do. Everything was just kind of coming together at that point. And it was, gosh, maybe like five or six years ago, which is so sad to say. But the positive news is that I'm working toward that feeling again. I'm Now that I'm, you know, a year and a half post-baby and I'm starting to sleep well and everything, this is the goal. This is what I'm working toward. How about you, Yasmin? Man, I love that, Kaya. You know, I will say... I get sprints of that. So I'll go through, let's say like every week, every other week, there might be one or two days where I wake up feeling amazing, super energized, inspired and excited. And I'm always, and I always tell Drew, my husband, I'm like, what did I do to get this feeling today? Because I want to replicate it every single day. Because when you feel that way, you truly feel like you're unstoppable and you're on fire. And I mean, in in this episode today, Isabella gives us so many great tips, but it's just a good reminder, you know, for me, sleep is huge movement. I know I feel like I'm a broken record player in all these podcasts. Anytime I don't have movement, I feel that inspiration is kind of not there. I feel stale. So it's just, it's always a good reminder. Every time I move my body, I feel more inspired, truly. Whatever it's happening in my brain, it just, it makes me feel amazing. Um, And also, again, eating three meals a day is game changing. And it's a lot to think about. But whenever I can be in that routine, I feel awesome. But again, life, there's so much that goes on. We travel, life happens. It's a hectic week. Something happens with work. So the goal is definitely, you know, to take a lot of what she talks about today and incorporate it as often as we can, at least. Absolutely. And what you said there is so true. Sometimes it feels like taking care of ourselves is a full-time job. But the point is to get to the place where it doesn't feel like work. It feels like just your daily routine, your daily habits, and that can take time. But energy is such a, it's so multifaceted. It's about what you're eating. It's about how you're sleeping. It's about your community, your purpose. Mm -hmm. It's about joy. It's about stress management. It's about it all. And we're talking about that today. We are talking all about adrenal dysfunction or adrenal fatigue, that feeling of being so burnt out, wired and tired, craving salty and sugary foods, afternoon energy crashes, waking up feeling exhausted and just flat out wiped. I've been there. I know a lot of other people have been there too. So we're going to talk about it today. 
This week's guest is Dr. Isabella Wentz. She is an internationally acclaimed thyroid specialist and a licensed pharmacist who has dedicated her career to addressing the root causes of autoimmune thyroid disease after being diagnosed herself with Hashimoto's in 2009. She is the author of three books on Hashimoto's and her most recent book is The Adrenal Transformation Protocol, which is what we're gonna be talking about all today. Now let's get into today's episode. Well, Dr. Isabella Wentz, it's a pleasure to have you here. Today, we're going to be talking all about adrenal fatigue, brain fog, burnout, and so much more. But before we get into it, what would you say are maybe some of the top signs that show your health is off and it might be related to stress? So definitely things like brain fog, trouble waking up in the morning, feeling really sluggish when you do wake up, having fatigue throughout the day being anxious, irritable, having that 3 p.m. crash, being sensitive to bright lights, having cravings for salt, being dependent on caffeine to get you going and using wine or other alcohol at night to kind of wind down, just being able to like, being kind of disconnected from the circadian rhythm. So you get no energy throughout the day and in the evenings you're wired, but tired and you have a hard time falling asleep you have on refreshing sleep, perhaps you're waking up throughout the night. These are some of the more common symptoms. And another one is when a person stands up quickly out of their chair, they might feel like they're about to faint. So they have a little bit of like that blush, blood rushing out of their heads. And um, these are some of the more common symptoms that give me a clue that your stress response might be off. Isabella, I don't know about you, but when you talk through all those symptoms, I feel like most people can relate to what you're saying, especially women. A lot of the symptoms you're talking about, the standing up and feeling dizzy, um, the feeling like wired and tired, not being able to sleep at night, the energy crashes. I'm feeling like this is a majority of people. Is that what you're thinking too? I feel like it's super, super common. At the same time, it's not normal. Like We're not supposed to be stuck in this stressed out survival state we have the ability to be coming from a thriving state where our body is repairing itself, right? And when we have calm energy throughout the day and our brain's working and when evening comes, we feel like we are ready to rest and we get good refreshing sleep where our body can repair itself. So it's so, so common and prevalent, especially in the last few years, but mm -hmm. it's not normal. It's definitely not normal. Yeah. Could you share with us maybe your personal experience of discovering that you had adrenal dysfunction? Um, so it was many years ago, over a decade ago now, on my healing journey from Hashimoto's. I was a pharmacist. I still am a pharmacist. Like that didn't go away or anything, right? I um, had about a decade of very strange symptoms and some of them included chronic fatigue. And then it just kind of like got worse. I had irritable bowel syndrome. Um, headaches, I had hair loss and acid reflux and anxiety. And it was like every other month I got some kind of a new symptom and I would go to the doctor and I would just get no answers. It was like, you're stressed out, you're just tired. Um, every, everybody's gaining weight, you know, because you're just getting older. And I was like, you know, 25, right? So um, finally somebody, you know, I pushed for more testing to be done. And finally somebody diagnosed me with Hashimoto's an autoimmune thyroid condition. And at that point I was like, okay, great. I'll get on the medications. They're gonna be amazing. You know, I'm a pharmacist, I love medications, right? But I was very disappointed in the meds and they helped me feel a little bit better, 
but I still struggled. And so I was like, okay, what, what can I do? And so I got into like nutrition and I got off of gluten and dairy. This was game changing for my digestive symptoms, but then I still had like that awful, awful all day fatigue. Right. And somebody like some integrative doctor mentioned adrenal fatigue to me. And I was like, oh, okay, let me look that up. Never heard of it. Like I'm a pharmacist. I should have heard of it. Right. And then I look it up and it's like, this isn't a real diagnosis. It's like, you know, made up or whatever. I was like, okay, never mind. Finally, like people kept bringing it up to me and I was like, okay, 15th person said it. I guess I will do something about it. And I, sure enough, I researched it and with a skeptical mind, of course, and I had all the symptoms and then I tried the recommendations and holy cow, I got better. So I was able to wake up in the morning with energy and my brain fog was gone and I was not anxious anymore. And I was like sleeping well and recovering. And I was like, oh, maybe this is a real thing. And I've been talking about it for the last decade as it relates to Hashimoto's and helping women with Hashimoto's address their adrenals. That's a big part of what I recommend for anybody with um, thyroid issues and autoimmune issues. And then, and then five years ago, when I was a new mom, I got another situation with adrenal fatigue because of the sleep deprivation that um, anybody that's a mom will understand. Um, that's one of the fastest ways to get into that adrenal dysfunction, fatigue, prolonged sleep deprivation. Um, and some other stressful things going on in my life at the time. And then I came across a, another protocol, kind of a unique way to really help support energy, um, that calm and beautiful energy in the body and to balance the stress response. And it worked really well in just a few weeks. And then I decided to put it out into the world and my community. And we've had over 3000 women now go through the program, um, with, with great results. So I'm like, okay, this works with, for people with thyroid issues. It can work for new moms. It can work for women who don't have thyroid issues, who just have like all of these symptoms that are so common in our modern times, right? Exactly. And before, I'm, I'm so excited to jump into your protocol, but before we go into that, I'd love for you to share, you know, what are the adrenals? As someone who, I don't have any thyroid issues, but I definitely have adrenal fatigue from my old life of just going hard in my career and pushing myself to no limits. But can you kind of share what the adrenals are and why it's important for us to really focus on it? Mm -hmm. So our adrenals are these tiny little glands that sit, sit on top of our kidneys and they're responsible for producing most of our stress hormones, right? And typically we hear stress bad, ooh, you know, right? Um, and we hear about cortisol, which is the main stress hormone that when you have high cortisol, this is quote unquote bad. And, and I agree. We don't want to have too much cortisol. Um, we also don't want to have not enough cortisol because cortisol does play an important immune balancing, inflammatory balancing role. It helps to build our energy throughout the day. Mm -hmm. um, and so what happens in a lot of people when they've been under stress, chronic stress for a prolonged period of time, their production of stress hormones is just, you know, it's all over the place. It's not connected to the circadian rhythm, which normally healthy functioning people will have a little bit of cortisol release in the morning, and then that gradually decreases over the day. When you're in a um, stressed out state of chronic stress, you might be having too much cortisol throughout the day. You might have not enough cortisol throughout the day, or you might be on a cortisol roller coaster where you just have not enough cortisol in the mornings and too much in the evenings where you're like 
holy cow, when did I become a night owl, right? Yeah. So I want to talk about that concept of stress, because I think in our modern world, a lot of people can feel like, oh, yeah, I have stress, especially through the pandemic and everything we've gone through. But stress is not just, you know, the mental stress. There's also the physical stress of our body. So can adrenal fatigue, there might be somebody who's listening to this, who's like, I have all those symptoms, but I'm not stressed. Like, Mm -hmm. life is good. But the body can also be producing stress that we don't know about. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So definitely psychological stress is super relevant. You know, you you and it's pretty recognizable, I think, for most people if they're presently under stress, right? There's also traumatic stress that may get stored in your body. And so you have unprocessed stress that something happened many, many years ago, but it's still kind of sticking Mm. with you. So typically people with like PTSD, they would be where maybe perhaps a bit more aware of that, but this can happen to the average person as well, where their life is good right now, but they're kind of, they might've had something in their past that's kind of keeping them on edge. And then there's like the physical sources of stress. Um, So things like driving yourself too hard. And so you're burning yourself out. You're burning the, the candle at both ends. You're overworking, you're undersleeping, you're overexercising, you're undereating. These can be very, very stressful on the body, right? This can be, um, this can be something that's you know self-induced in some ways, right? And or perhaps we're very well-meaning and we're trying to lose weight, and so we're like, okay, let's eat less and exercise more, and that actually can be too stressful for our bodies, depending on what else is going on. Um, and then there's like physiological sources of stress that we may not even be aware of. So if you're somebody that's exposed to toxins like mold, mycotoxins, these can be incredibly stressful on our system, right? And you can have a perfect life, eat a perfect diet, but if you're exposed to something super toxic like that, that could shift you in that stress response. And then there's like chronic infections like H. pylori, all kinds Mm -hmm. of hidden things that are causing inflammation within our body that can, that can really deplete that cortisol. So cortisol gets released um, partially when the body senses a lot of inflammation. It's a natural anti-inflammatory. And when the body keeps pushing, you know, asking for more cortisol, that, that's a stress signal, right? So definitely things that are hidden, that, that can be problematic foods that we're sensitive to, as well as not eating a blood sugar balanced diet. Something so simple as that can be just kind of overfill your stress cup and shift you into that survival mode rather than keep you in a thriving, my body's repairing itself and I feel good mode, right? Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it every 
effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia, and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com, and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com. And check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening, and now let's get back to today's episode. So what's the first step? If somebody's listening and they can identify with everything that you're saying, they suspect that this is the case for them. What's the first step that they should take? Because there's probably so many steps and there's so many root causes to identify, but what's like one thing they can do now to just get the ball rolling? One of the things that can be incredibly helpful for people is uh, focusing on their nutrition. So making sure they're eating blood sugar balanced. And part of that is usually more fat and protein than people are used to eating and less carbs. This can be a big game changer. I know I've worked with so many women that have said, I thought I had anxiety. Turned out I was just getting hangry, right? Because I wasn't eating enough protein or I was skipping my meals, right? Um, And sometimes when we're in that high cortisol state, we're in that stressed out state, we're not hungry. Mm-hmm. And we kind of push ourselves past the limit. And then our body, you know, we're, we're kind of like, I'm not hungry now, but six hours later, two hours later, four hours later, our body will be like, no, no, this is not working for me. Right. I think Yasmin and I can both relate. <laughs> I'm like, are you guys talking about me during this moment? <laughs> I've been there, done that, right? I'm I'm not just like an expert. I'm also like a client. So I know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm curious. And this is just probably from my own perspective, because it resonates a lot. And I tell Kaya this all the time. And Drew, like, I'm not hungry. My the, my cue is not my hunger cues. I'll just feel off. So I know now that I know I'll force myself to eat three meals a day because I just my brain and my anxiety just feels way better. Like I feel calm and collected. I feel good. But those hunger cues are still not there. And I just think it's fascinating. Do you think it's still me trying to heal the old like cortisol spikes that I dealt with, adrenal fatigue, like how do I get over that hump if I'm not hungry in the morning? And a lot of women aren't hungry in the morning. One of the things that I recommend doing is an adrenal kickstart smoothie. And this is a half a cup of orange juice. This is going to be a little bit of protein and to kind of damper the sugar effect of the orange juice, the orange juice is going to be rich in vitamin C, support your adrenals, raise your Um, blood sugar a little bit. A lot of women that feel that way tend to not be hungry when they wake up. Um, And then adding some coconut milk for fat and and a little bit of electrolytes. And that's going to be a great way to like start your day. It's not like you have to eat a whole buffet, but it is is a little bit of nourishment into your body and to kind of let your body know that it's morning time, right? And if you could do that while you're standing, sipping, you know, on your balcony or outside and the weather is beautiful and kind of having that opportunity to get some um, real natural light into your eyes, that's going to be a great way to um, balance your morning cortisol levels. So they're not too high. They're not too low at that point. And that you're, um, you kind of, you kind of like almost have to retrain your body Mm -hmm. to be hungry at the right times. And so you do that for a little while where I have women, um, I know, a lot of women will skip meals because they think like that's their path to losing weight. And unfortunately it can have the opposite effect when it's, when we're in that stressed out state. And so we kind of just, we set a schedule 
And then you kind of follow that and you really work on realigning your body with the circadian rhythm. And then eventually, as the time goes on within a few weeks, usually women will start being hungry again, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evenings. And typically part of that is, um, part of that is like the meal timing and also the circadian rhythm work. Yeah, that actually sounds delicious. <laughs> it's yummy too, which doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. I'm like, I actually look forward to drinking it every day. Sorry, Kay, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was saying, um, Isabella, you were talking about reworking your circadian rhythm. And I know in another interview, and you mentioned it earlier, that you also thought you were a night owl. You know, I thought I was a night owl as well, but there's so much that we can do to get our body into a better rhythm, circadian rhythm. So can you kind of talk about maybe what are some of the elements that can help support us get into a better rhythm with our bodies? So absolutely. And and the kind of bright lights in the morning time are critical. So when you first wake up in the morning, within 30 minutes, if you could step outside and let the sun kind of, you know, shine on you and, and get some of that beautiful sunshine, that's going to help to tell your body that it's morning time, right? A lot of us spend so much time indoors that we don't even think about it, that it it might not, if, like maybe if you have a dog, you might be up at 5 a.m. walking that dog. Or if you have a young child, you might be in the stroller at 5 a.m. with your young child. But a lot of us can be so disconnected from that. It's morning time. And the the indoor lighting that we have just doesn't have enough of that um, light spectrum to really give our body like a very specific cue. Um, I used to work with children and adults with with developmental disabilities. And one of the challenges with um, individuals who, who had um, blindness and retinal blindness was that they weren't tuned into their circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't, you know, sleeping when everybody else was sleeping. And so part of like that cue is that sunshine. And so doing that can help eating most of your meals during daylight hours as well as outside or close to like windows or close to sunshine if you can, you know, take a nice lunch outside, right? Doing that. And then after dark, really focusing on winding down and trying to block out the blue lights, whether that is, you know, you cut off technology after sunset or you wear some blue blockers, um, you block out all the, all the lights in your bedroom so that you get kind of like the ancient cues of, this is daytime and this is when we're supposed to have most of our energy and this is nighttime and this is when we have low cortisol so we could produce melatonin and sleep properly. And it really does work. It was, you know, things like that. I think, I feel like my mom used to tell me stuff like that when I was, you know, in my twenties and I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it. It really does work. Right. I was just saying it sounds so simple, but this is something, you know, my husband Drew takes all of this very seriously. And before I met him, I was at quote unquote night owl. And now I love to sleep. I'm going to bed between 930 and 10. I'm waking up. So just a testament to what you were saying that it sounds simple, but could really um, shift your circadian rhythm and you can become more tired and feel better in the morning. So it sounds so simple, but I love that. But I want to take now the interview in a different direction. And I'm curious to get your thoughts around how can how caffeine can potentially impact our stress response. It's been really, really amazing. Um, over the last few years, I used to, in the past, kind of the traditional approach to healing the adrenals was like, you have to get off of the caffeine, right? Yeah. And that's the only way to heal. And that I've, I've recommended that. I did that myself. And it worked well for some of my people. But I remember having a few clients that were like, 
you know, I'm exhausted during the day. I'm waking up a lot at night. I have these headaches. I'm, I constantly have to go pee. And I was like, oh, you drink too much caffeine. Let's just quit the caffeine. And they're like, okay, I quit the caffeine. Still tired. I'm still waking up at night. I still have headaches. And, you know, now I'm like miserable. <laughs> it's your fault, right? Um, and so when I was a new mom, I kind of realized that for a lot of people, the caffeine isn't necessarily the cause of the problems, but it's kind of a mechanism, a coping strategy that they utilize when they're so exhausted. And same with like, you know, drinking the wine at night. So caffeine helps to raise our cortisol levels, right? And so if you're somebody that's like crawling to your coffee machine first thing in the morning, like there's a chance that you're have low cortisol. And if you're somebody that's like, oh my gosh, it's evening time and my mind is just racing like a race car and you have to have that glass of wine, you know, wine can help you lower that cortisol. And so this is a way that people self-medicate. Now we have better ways to self-medicate, but a lot of times um, I will tell people, let's focus on building your energy levels in the morning before I ask you to like even think about quitting your caffeine, right? And so it does, it can have a real impact on, you know, like you drink too much caffeine, you can't sleep at night. You drink it too late in the day, you can't sleep at night. And then you're tired the next morning, so you have to drink more. And if you drink it too early in the morning, then your body doesn't have that opportunity to raise cortisol naturally. And so typically I'll say, okay, go outside first thing in the morning, do the adrenal kickstart drink. That'll raise your cortisol levels naturally and then have some breakfast, you know, get some, get some calories into you and then drink your coffee, right? You can still have your coffee, but maybe you move it a little bit or maybe don't drink it after 3 p.m. I know personally, I used to be able to drink coffee or caffeine any time of day. I turned, you know, like 38 and it was like <laughs> at 3 p.m. I drink caffeine. I can't sleep. If I drink it at 2.59, I can sleep. So we kind of shrink that window initially for people. And then then um, after a while, once they have more energy, they're sleeping well at night, then many of them can wean off. You mentioned something earlier about salt cravings. Um, and if that could be a clue that maybe there's some sort of adrenal dysfunction going on. So I'm curious, what's the connection between mineral deficiencies and adrenal fatigue? Oh, that's such a great connection. So typically people with, um, with adrenal dysfunction, their electrolytes are going to be off. And this is something that gets very depleted during the stress response. And a lot of times they'll have that, like, I just ate a whole bag of chips syndrome. Um, if you've ever noticed, you know, you're kind of in a, you're having a stressful day and you kind of like the food you're eating, like you just need to add a little bit more salt to it. Right. Um, so this is, or you crave salty foods on, on stressful days. And this is, this is very, very much um, in a, a stress-driven process. And so the way to kind of help that is you go with it, right? So you support your body, healthy levels of, um, of sea salt and, you know, sodium help to keep our blood pressure levels stable and healthy as well. T typically people with like that adrenal dysfunction, you know, they're trying to self-medicate and their body's craving things, right? So you're craving chocolate. That's usually a sign that you're magnesium deficient. This is a big, big um, thing that's depleted by the stress response. If you're craving um, salt, you know, salty things, that's a big sign that you might be sodium deficient. And so, you know, maybe don't eat a whole bag of chips, but perhaps consider doing something like water 
with some electrolytes or water with some sea salt and sip on that throughout the day. Um, I want to kind of go back to the alcohol conversation too, because we talked about caffeine and then you were saying that there was some advice around like, hey, maybe have your coffee later in the day. But what about wine? Because pretty much everybody that we've been talking to in a study that I read this week is like, there are no benefits to even moderate drinking. Like, let's just be real. So how are you working with people who are like, I can't let go of that evening wine? So initially we focus on giving them substitutions. So what are we doing to help you wind down without wine, right? And I give them things like Epsom salt baths. Sometimes, you know, I will have the most stressful day when I've had a really tough day, whether it's like with, um, with work or um, family obligations. And I'm just like, oh, I'm achy and I'm tired and I'm stressed out. You get into an Epsom salt bath and you come out and you're like, my mind feels calm. My body feels calm. I'm ready to sleep. So I recommend doing those. And then I also have like, if you, you know, sometimes it's like the taste or the, the kind of ritual of it that might be something that you look forward to. So maybe taking a beautiful wine glass and pouring yourself some sparkling water or something in there, like with electrolytes, that's really tasty or doing some relaxing teas in the evening. I actually have a whole section in the book about relaxing teas that you can utilize in the evenings um, to help you kind of unwind rather than depending on, on, you know, alcohol for that. Cause alcohol just doesn't work so well. Then you like wake up in the middle of the night and it's, it's not like, you know, you think it's helping, but it actually in the long term it kind of, it kind of de- robs you of your restorative sleep. A hundred percent. And I'm loving that people are now, it's not for everyone, but people who are wearing wearables are seeing now, oh, I thought alcohol was making me sleep, but actually my sleep is totally jacked up. Yes. Yes. I did an experiment when I got, um, when I, when I got this continuous glucose monitor and I was like, what's going to happen if I drink rosé all day? And, and I was just going like hypoglycemic, waking up multiple times that night. And I was like, you know, in the name of science, I will try this and see what happens. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't have a CGM anymore because I think I like to experiment too much, but it can be really incredibly helpful to see what, like, what are these things and that you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Is it like, some people will say I'm eating grains and that's kind of setting off my blood sugar response. And then I end up really anxious or, you know, I thought my wine was helping me sleep, but it turns out that I'm waking up multiple times throughout the night. Um, and you know, when you, when you have an aura ring as well to kind of pair with that, with that CGM, and then you can track down and be like, oh, my blood sugar was low at that time. Gosh, absolutely. And I used to be the biggest wine drinker like ever. And now I can't even remember the last time I had a glass of wine only because I noticed just how good I feel the next day. You know, I don't know if it's a function of age, but my sleep gets impacted. I'm just don't, I feel brain fog, like everything we're talking about the day after I drink. So it's just, for me, it's not even worth it unless I'm out with friends and you know, it's a Saturday. Of course there's an exception, but in terms of like weekly dosing, it's dropped significantly. And I feel so much better with that. But I know we're talking about sleep and I feel like we don't talk enough about sleep. So I'd love to get your thoughts around what, you know, the importance around sleep. I mean, sleep. Uh, so from so many different angles, I mean, this is where our body restores and repairs itself. There where our brain repairs itself and sleep deprivation has been tied to 
so many different disease processes, right? And and I mean, we don't even have to look at research. We just have to look at how we feel yeah. if we don't get enough sleep, right? Um, are you, you know, you're going to have cravings for foods. You're going to be irritable. You're probably going to be more anxious. You're not going to be as sharp as you once were, right? On, on a normal basis when you get your sleep. And so I think in the past, I used to think it was as, you know, before, before children, um, I used to think it was like as simple as like, you just decide you want more sleep and you sleep more, right? Like just, just don't stay up late or <laughs> just sleep in, right? Um, and I know that can also be super, super tricky for people who have small children um, and that need to care for them at night. And then also for people who actually can't fall asleep or have trouble staying asleep or have frequent night wakings or wake up too early. Um, so I, I cover a lot of like, not just you need to sleep in the book, but actually like what to do if you're having a hard time falling asleep, what to do if you're waking up in the middle of the night, um, kind of wired, what to do if you're waking up multiple times throughout the night. And I give people um, a lot of strategies and solutions for, for um, kind of like the, the common reasons and then for some unique circumstances too. Yeah, I'd love to talk about one of those unique circumstances, which you mentioned before, is that when you had your son, there was sleep deprivation. I went through that myself and we did some form of gentle sleep training that worked wonders for our family. And I finally could reclaim my sleep, which was amazing. But I still feel like to this day, I'm recovering from that period of time. And so I'd love to talk about what are ways that moms because I feel like the first maybe year is like survival mode. And you're like, just trying to do everything that you can do. You can't really implement too many new health protocols or things into your life. You're just trying to figure it all out. And then the clouds clear and you're kind of like, okay, I want to get back to myself. So like, what is your advice for women at that stage who are like, okay, I'm two years out. I'm really tired. I'm recovering from all that. I have a little bit of time to think about myself. What do I do? Oh, yes. That's such a great period to kind of start thinking about that and, and shift into more of a thriving state and thinking through, you know, pregnancy and breastfeeding and sleep deprivation. This is a really big stressor on the body. It's a really beautiful, positive, wonderful stressor, but it's still a stressor. So um, I focus on replenishing nutrients a lot. So things like that I cover in the adrenal transformation protocol so we focus on the B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, electrolytes. These are going to be depleted when you're stressed out. Um, I also focus on mitochondrial health and mitochondrial support. Carnitine and D-ribose are incredibly game-changing for some of the brain fog, like that new mommy brain kind of, kind of feeling and the fatigue to kind of help you recover and replenish your body a bit faster. Um, I also focus on making sure like if you are kind of, um, I have a special tired mommy section in the back of the book that has some extra kind of specific circumstances. So making sure you're getting your fish oils to help you repair, making sure that you're utilizing choline um, to help you repair your brain as well. Um, you know, pl plenty of sunshine, plenty of time outside, focusing on things of, of that nature in nature to, to help kind of connect back with that circadian rhythm. And then also a lot of times new moms can be deficient in iron. Um, and so I, the plan is iron rich. I don't recommend an iron supplement for anybody unless they've been tested. 
So I do have a list of tests to do, including um, ferritin, which is one of the more sensitive tests for iron deficiency. Because a lot of times, you know, the, the postnatal depletions, we're going to see low levels of ferritin and you lose so much blood when you're, you know, you're creating a new human and you lose that blood when you're giving birth and nursing also kind of takes that out of you. So making sure that you're replenishing yourself properly is, um, is a big part of, of that. And it takes, I would say, you know, it takes about three to four years after having a baby to really come back to that, to that optimal state. And I mean, you come back like smarter and more beautiful and more wise, but it does take time, right? Yeah. That's so interesting that you said three to four years, because what happens within those three to four years, a lot of women get pregnant again, right? So it's like, we're adding even more on top of our bodies. But I love that your book has those recommendations, because I feel like new moms don't get specific advice for them. It's a lot of like, here's what, get better sleep, do this, do this. And it's like, how can I do that if I'm a mom, right? Oh, so, yeah. it, it still kind of triggers me when I see people like talking about it, right? They're like, you should just get more sleep. And I'm like, you know, for a few years, I wasn't able to get more sleep. And, that, and I came up with these other strategies to really support myself with energy production and healing my brain and um, some of the adaptogens too, we didn't talk about, but some of them like reishi can be really great for even for breastfeeding moms or holy basil. Of course, I always like make sure you talk to your lactation consultants, talk to your midwife about that. But a lot of the adaptogens can help us recover from stress too. And they can be a wonderful healing journey. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about adaptogens, but for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that is, can you explain what adaptogens are? So they are this wonderful thing. It's a class of herbs that they help you deal with stress, whether you have, um, you know, from kind of like a medical perspective, you can have cortisol that's too low. Um, and if we were to give somebody medicine for that, we would give medicine to raise the cortisol. Or if their cortisol was too high, you know, from a medical perspective, you would give them something to lower those levels. The beauty of like um, adaptogens, it's like whether your cortisol is too high or too low, they'll normalize it, right? So they can help you adapt to stress. And they've been studied for so many things, including like anxiety, depression, sleep issues. Some of them have um, uh, galactagogue properties. For, so that's good to know for nursing moms. That might be a plus, that might be a, a, a minus, depending on what situation you're in. Some of them have benefits for libido. For example, maca, shatavari. Those are ones if you're like, you know, my libido is not quite there. These might be ones to look into. Um, and I have a list of them that I love to um, utilize and all of them have slightly different personalities for, um, for a lot of people, rhodiola and ashwagandha are two that are kind of great to, to utilize. And then, um, I love, you know, I love anything you can have as like a tea. So I love holy basil tea, Tulsi tea, mm -hmm. and then, um, reishi can be, you can be drink as like an evening kind of hot chocolate mix too. So, and, and people just say like, when I get on adaptogens, like everybody just becomes so much less annoying. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's a sign that you're becoming more resilient, right? Yes. Yeah. One of my favorites, I want to know what you think of it too, is cortisol manager. It's like my favorite supplement. I swear it's like the be better form of Xanax or something. Anytime I give, tell people like, look into cortisol manager, they're like, I can fly. I have no stress. I'm like feeling good all day. So I'm all about the adaptogens. Yeah. And there's like all kinds of different ones. There's, um, there's also specific herbs 
that I talk about, like serine that can lower your cortisol if it's too high. Um, mm. If you have low cortisol, you may not want to do that because that will lower you further. And then there's things like licorice that can actually raise your cortisol. And I don't mean like the the red chewy things. It's like an herb, right? Um, and I have a section in the book about that. If you typically, um, if you're somebody that has lower blood pressure, then that's a sign that you probably have low cortisol. And if you have high blood pressure, it's a sign that you have high cortisol. And so this might be a great way to kind of get the feedback from your body. It's like, oh, your blood pressure is kind of high. That That's actually a sign that you might be, you know, that you might be like having a cortisol spike, right? Yeah, Isabella. And I know throughout this interview, you've talked about multiple aspects of your protocol. And I'd love to hear, I know from prepping a little bit from prior interviews, you modified and kind of reorganized the protocol. So I'd love to hear what was the impetus of that? And maybe at a high level, you can walk through what the protocol is. I know there's a lot of detail that your book goes into, which we'll definitely share in our show notes, but would love to hear kind of high level about that. Sure. So I really focus on sending safety signals. So when we think about stress, it's like stress sets off a danger alarm in our bodies. And we have too much of these danger signals that our body shifts into that survival mode, right? It's like, you've got the sleep deprivation, you're worried about something, then there's inflammation from your body, you're skipping meals. And all of a sudden you find yourself in this like fight or flight survival mode. And so I really focus on sending safety signals. Mm -hmm. And so how do we send these safety signals? Part of that is through nutrition eating anti-inflammatory foods that are nutrient dense, that are enough protein and fat and blood sugar balanced, you're going to feel amazing just by doing that. And then we replenish some of the nutrients that are going to be deficient. That's another safety signal. So some of the Bs and Cs and magnesium electrolytes, um, mitochondrial support. Then, then the other things we focus on beyond nutrition is like connecting to the circadian rhythm, really focusing on creating joy in your mm -hmm. life. So maybe like, um, I think this is, this is one of the things that a lot of women that I've worked with, they have a hard time with it because they're like, I'm very overwhelmed. I've got so many things in my life that I'm doing. And you want me to like take 20 to 30 minutes to just do something for the fun of it. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do want you to do that. Cause that can very quickly shift us into that like thriving state. Um, and going through creating opportunities for us to heal with just treating ourselves with a lot of love and kindness. Mm -hmm. So um, setting boundaries. You know, sometimes I find like cutting out toxic people from your life can be even more beneficial than cutting out toxic foods, right? Um, we all know that. And really working on building your resilience. So figuring out what type of exercise is the right fit for you. Like, do you feel better after your exercise? Yeah. Okay, great. That, that's the right medicine and the right dose. Do you feel worse after your exercise? You got either the wrong medicine or the wrong dose. We need to revisit something like that. And it, it's a comprehensive plan that really focuses on, you know, kind of addressing all of the different sources of stress, even like some of the traumatic stress. I talk about strategies to, um, to deal with that, like creating a trigger toolkit so that if you are triggered by something traumatic that happened to you, you know what to do. You're not just reacting um, and creating and giving people um, some really helpful tools to utilize on their healing journey. Wow. This book sounds super yeah. comprehensive. Um, so I'm excited to read it and I'm excited for other people to read it. I'm also curious about your own journey with your hormones and kind of bringing back balance in your life. 
I believe that you use Bia at a certain point or maybe still are. So I'd love to hear more about that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And thank you ladies for creating this incredible product. Um, I had heard about seed cycling for quite some time. And, you know, as, um, as a new mom, you're kind of like, one more thing that I have to do, I have to like take these, buy these seeds and grind them up. And, uh, and you guys have made it so easy to implement into my routine. I was nursing my son. So I did extended nursing um, almost four years. And towards like kind of 2020, when things got a little bit weird for everybody, um, I was worried a lot about um, my son and about the world. And we kind of my husband and I went to our home in Colorado and my, my parents used to visit and help us out with our son. Um, and I got into this kind of habit of like, you know, I was, it was just my husband and, and myself and our son and working. And I got in the habit of like skipping my breakfast and drinking coffee, like crawling to the coffee machine, um, not really making that time for self-care and really, you know, my cortisol started going up. I had balanced it before. Um, and I ended up with some really strange symptoms that I'd never had before. So I ended up with um, frequent menses. Every two weeks, I was getting my period and headaches and just feeling like I'm a super calm person. People are like, how are you always so calm? And I was like, not calm. Like I was not, I was like waking up, you know, my son was sleeping better at the time, but I was still waking up wide awake, looking around, right? What's going on? And just super, super kind of... Um, disconnected from my body. And I wanted to try something that would help me regulate my hormones. I didn't want to take a lot of, you know, like more pharmaceutical things because I was still nursing and I didn't want to necessarily pass anything in my breast milk. Um, and I started utilizing, um, I reached out to you guys and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. Thank you so much for creating it. Um, and, um, it, and I ended up, um, like utilizing the seed cycling. And then I cut down some of the caffeine intake and started switching around how I was, you know, I was, start, I started eating my breakfast and smoothies again and, and incorporating some of these habits. Um, and within like the first month, my periods came back to normal. So yeah, they're normal oh again. But it was so scary. I was like bleeding every two weeks. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the estrogen, dominance can cause that from, um, from having too much caffeine, from being exposed mm -hmm. to mold toxins, from potentially just, you know, even breastfeeding for a prolonged period of time. And so I really want to thank you guys for being a part of my healing journey and for doing this for so many women and making this amazing protocol so accessible. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing that A, B, because you've helped so many people. I mean, I just remember years ago, I felt like you were the only one talking about thyroid issues when thyroid issues were becoming so prevalent for people. And Hashimoto's was like, so many women had it. And I feel like they could turn to someone to like hear about their experience. So thank you for everything that you've done to help people and especially help women in this world. So we're super grateful for you. Honestly, it's such an honor that you joined us today. I feel like you know, it was great to connect with you again. And just going off of what Kaya was saying, my mom was dealing with Hashimoto's and you were just such a savior to her. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. And we're so excited about your new book. We're going to buy it for everyone. We're going to read it. We're going to share it with our audience. We can't wait. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much, ladies. It's been such an honor and a pleasure.